Hey, Sandy. <laughs> hey, Nora. I was like, I will wait you out. <laughs> I will wait you out. You were going to say it first. <laughs> but uh, what listeners, of course, won't have heard is the three minutes of silence <laughs> that preceded that. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, I'm very good. I'm having, a, I'm having a better week than most politicians, I would say, in this country. How are, how are you? good there's a couple things that happened this week that were like kind of annoying to me um I was like really annoyed with the the way that a lot of the news that I listened to or read was covering the SNC Lavalin story that has the most legs of any story in Canadian politics ever oh my god <laughs> and it was just like it was like listening to a sports cast it was like and how did how did Justin Trudeau play off on that? And but what do we think about Gerald Butt's next move? You know, rather than like how is this affecting average people? And I'm just like, I'm just increasingly more annoyed at how the news tells the news, mm-hmm. which maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about sometime, but not today. <laughs> <laughs> I I've been thinking a lot about how little the average person knows, but who's married to Ooh, who. Yeah in the journalism politics world and it's it's like for fuck's sakes like every fucking time that scott gilmore for example writes something for mclean's like i know he's got a little link that you've got to open up at his twitter bio where you can read all the things that he's like implicated in but like the guy's wife is Catherine mckenna and i feel like i feel like that really does kind of disqualify your opinion (laughs) outright I mean, if you share a household with someone, for fuck's sakes, like, how can we trust anything that you're yeah. saying? You literally are making money off of yeah. their work, right? Like, it's just kind of yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a really important issue that you raised this week on Twitter. And I was like, yeah, bang on. People should be disclosing this stuff at the very least. And yeah, at the very yeah, least. Uh, probably in the best case scenario, not touching it. <laughs> if you're in a conflict situation, <laughs> it just seems pretty obvious. But Oh, I know. It's like you're a writer. Find something else to write about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go into fiction for four fucking years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we promised the people. We promised the people NDP. Oh, my God. Uh, the episode. We've been talking about doing this episode for a while. Mm-hmm. And obviously the last six weeks has been by-election Mania. Infection. Mania. I was trying to find something that rhymed with election, but I couldn't find it. It's okay. I saved you. That was good. And so now the dust has settled and we know the results. Although, as you heard us last week, guess we knew the results before mm-hmm. they happened. <laughs> they happened. The conservatives did a lot better in Burnaby South than I was expecting. But, I mean, mm-hmm. also the SNC-Lavalin thing had just exploded. So who knows? Um you know how much that affected what the final numbers were but I was yeah. I was surprised by um, how well the conservatives did um, and I am putting the conservative numbers together with the People's Party of Canada numbers <laughs> yeah and remind us do you have those right off the uh, on your fingertips <laughs> 
Why, yes, I do. So the NDP, uh, Jagmeet Singh, won with 8,848 votes, which is a 38.9% of the vote. The Conservative Mm -hmm. Party had 5,147 votes, which is 22.6%. And the People's Party had 2,422 votes, which is 10%. So... Uh, the People's Party had about 30, combi- combined with the Conservative Party, had about 33%, and the, the, the NDP is at 38.9, so 40. Which is pretty stunning. Like, the bottom fell out of the Liberal campaign. Like, they had a candidate flame out mm-hmm. and get replaced mid- midway through the, the race, and they were dealing with massive scandals. And also, like, I didn't see much analysis about how Huawei factored into it as well. But I suspect that the way the government handled um, or ha- is handling that situation is probably not giving many voters confidence either. <laughs> so it's like. Right, right, right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, that's, that was probably a factor. Yeah. And so the NDP won. The NDP won. Jagmeet Singh is uh, in, well, I'm not sure if he's in yet. I heard that there was a bit of a delay between when he wins and when he actually gets to take a seat. Mm -hmm. But maybe by the time you're listening, he's been in the House of Commons for like two days or something. Mm -hmm. What does this all mean for the NDP? And I guess it depends on who you ask, because there's a lot of people that are like hoping that this is the end of the NDP. Really? Oh, yeah, like like liberals, I mean. I don't mean like anyone on the left. Oh, <laughs> I was like, hmm, <laughs> who, who are you talking to? <laughs> uh-huh. No, no. Like, There's a lot of liberals that are hoping that this is the end of the NDP. Obviously, there's a lot of NDPers who are hoping that this will give Singh the wind in his sails that he has been lacking since elected. And mm-hmm. he was elected just over a year ago. So it's been about 14 months that he has been in that seat as the leader but outside of the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think that this is a, a really intense opportunity time right now for the NDP to go forth and focus on what type of political character they want to have, not just going into the election, but as the party mm. with the first person of color leader elected in uh, in the House as the party uh, that has a lot of interest from youth across the country. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity here. We'll probably get to the point of, like, how many people are not uh, coming back and talk about that, uh, you know, more directly. But I also view that as an opportunity um, for the for the NDP to, you know, like I hope become the party that is actually really um, focused on principles and fashioning themselves not just as uh, a party that does what you know the party apparatus wants them to do and party members want them to do, but is focused on you know what's right what uh, society needs and what justice requires from them, that kind of thing. I think it's a really big opportunity, and I hope there are people out there who see it that way. Mm-hmm. I also think that there there was clearly some sort of split within the party after Jagmeet Singh's election as leader. And 
I think that that showed itself in the inability of the party to respond effectively to so many things that has hap- that have happened since he became leader. And I hope that uh, his election can kind of reorient people to like doing what they need to do now to, um, you know, in, in advance of an election, properly organize around the issues that people need a left-wing party to organize around yeah that's where i'm at with this what do you think (laughs) well i i agree that this is an opportunity for sure i am just unable to separate my feelings of watching the ndp in 2011 and 2014 in ontario and wonder like to what extent has the leadership from then moved the federal party? Mm-mm. And the the only the, the the reason I wonder that is because Singh, of course, was the deputy leader, and he ran like his breakthrough election in two thousand and eleven, put him on the map politically, and then there was six years that he spent in uh, in Toronto at Queens Park. And those were not six great years for the Ontario NDP. In fact, they were really terrible years, I thought. And so my question is more, you know, I, I like when a leader wins, he obviously brings in a crew with him. Although now that it's been a year and a half, I'm not sure how much of it is his crew or how much of it's the party's crew or how much of it's just like, this person's good, let's hire them. And a lot of that crew seems to have shifted over time. Like there's been a lot of um, movement of who is around in the party uh, in the last year. And so like, that's all very confusing. Like who is, Mm -hmm. who is actually there? I don't know. Who survived from that, like, you know, from the Ontario crew that you're referencing who was brought in I don't know and who even came with him with any power like it's possible that he he hired people that you know he just liked working with and not necessarily people who were like the brain trust of the Ontario NDP and then there's been a lot of exit from the federal NDP to Ontario as uh as the Ontario caucus has you know what doubled in size more than doubled in size mm-hmm but but you're right. The the there's no question that the NDP has to double down on true left wing politics and principles. I have I've just been so consistently disappointed by the party and not Singh necessarily. Although I have been disappointed by some things. Like I'm a critic, so it's like going to be hard to impress me. I think unfortunately, <laughs> but I I impress you every day. I mean I I mean I'm a critic of his. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you saying that you don't critique me? Come on. I, critique I find that you. hard to believe. I critique you, but I am not a critic of you. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to simmer on what that distinction means as you continue. <laughs> I mean that I'm, I'm, I'm more often not impressed by the things that the NDP is doing than I am impressed by them. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm not about to, to blame them all on Singh, though he is the leader. And so there is obviously a portion of that blame less rests on him and if we're only blaming to determine who needs to be convinced to change direction right like mm-hmm. is is the ndp of the last year 100 percent stamped singh's signature or is it which i don't think it is or is it um a party that has for many years drifted so far to the right that it has completely forgotten 
what its role is in this country. Or, you know, and I've, I've said that before online, and then, you know, there's old timers who are like, Nora, the party's never been anything that you talk like it has been since before the 1970s. So what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the question of whether or not the NDP is sings NDP is a good one. I think that a lot of things have happened over the last year that um, make it clear that it's not. And not not to say that, like, I know his, you know, the way that he would do things and, and the party isn't going the way that he would do. Like, I don't know any of that. I say that because, and I've written a, an op-ed in, in the in Now magazine about this months ago, because I really think it's been clear that there's been times where, where he's been, like, not fully supported by <laughs> by an apparatus yeah, that you would expect um, and that's like really that's very very bizarre to me um, especially when there's been there's been nothing that seems to have precipitated that like besides the election and the election of the leader really splitting the party like right now I mm-hmm. feel like Justin Trudeau is is not super supported by everyone in his party. It's it shows it shows by like the type of gaffes that are happening in the media uh, and the way that this entire SNC Lavalin thing is going forward. Um, the announcements of, of of people like Selena not running again, um, and you know everything that Jody Wilson Raybould is doing, right? Like it, you you can see that there's yeah. not like there's some sort of um, weird. Not everyone's in support of the prime minister. And but we there's a reason for it. Like there's we see that something has happened uh, where it makes sense that 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 would be the fallout. I don't I don't see where it's coming from in the NDP, but you can see that that fallout has taken place. That there isn't full support for their leader. So I'm I again I'm hoping that changes. But I think it's I don't think it sings NDP right now. And I'm wondering what it would look like if it was. That's a really interesting question because I like during. The leadership race. He seemed like the establishment candidate. I I disagree with that, but that's um, yeah. I don't... I, the reason, well, the, and it's obviously this is the question, right? And the reason why I say that is because, like, someone like Charlie Angus, for a lot of people in the NDP, was like an obvious guy that should have become leader, mm-hmm. like uh, regardless of who ran against him. Like he's just been there for the longest, and he's competent, and you know, on on the files that he's worked on, he's very very good. But but there was such a like a push against him that it was like, okay, so there's a, there's a core in the party that is really opposed to Angus and, and, and Caron seemed like he was really about to do it himself because that's like, it's like a Quebec MP thing to do. He's like, I'm running. Nikki obviously was running, you know, trying to bring in a leftward um, vision to the party. And then it was like, so why did Singh run? Cause he was always someone who I was like, can you get Andrea out of that position? <laughs> Can you take over the Ontario party? And so, and so the question for me was like, okay, so you have these four people. Certainly, there were some elements of the establishment that backed Angus, but like mm-hmm. his vote count was so low that he did not have the party apparatus behind him. I just, I, I don't know. Like, there, especially with some of the stories I heard coming out of the NDP convention and how frustrated people were about all of the new, the new members. I just, I. Hmm. I, I don't buy that he was the establishment candidate. I think that there was a lot of ruffled feathers over his uh, election, which leads to something like what's happening today, where he's not fully supported by the party. But I don't know. And I don't know that it really matters. 
No, you're probably right. But what does matter is like, are we going to be able to see an NDP that in advance of a, of a federal election isn't going to take the the type of political positions that are more geared towards a strategy of winning than geared towards actually appealing to um, a, a left wing voter base in this in this country. Like I think we can see, um, especially if we are you know looking towards um, what's happening in the United States. I think that we can see that there is an appetite for real left politics. And people have been afraid of this for so long, and I, I d- have never understood why. Like, it, it's so clear to me that inching towards the center doesn't work. It has not worked for a really long time. So, <laughs> um, and in this, in this current political moment uh, where people are increasingly being separated between the rich and the poor, in a, in a far more um, extreme sort of way. And people are, are really desperate. Uh, the planet is like, you know, not gonna be able to sustain human life <laughs> for as long as we need it to. Um, I just, I don't understand why we would hesitate to, to and I say we, like, I don't know why, because I'm not a <laughs> member of this party, but. As like a broad left thing, I don't know why there would be any hesitation to, um, you know, going forward into an election with real principled politics. I, I like I hear what you're saying, but the the problem for me is the proof is not looking good. Like if you go, say more, well, if you look at um at the by election, so the big issue that the NDP pushed in the by election was the cost of living, obviously. And two of the promises from the NDP, like, made me want to rage. One is that no one would pay more than 30% of their paycheck on rent. Which is like, okay, that sounds cool. Except they want to do it through a rebate, through tax credits. Oh, that's ridiculous. And and then the second is that was that anybody building affordable housing. And so I don't even know what the definition of that is. I don't think that we have like because our affordable housing regime in Canada is so brutal. It's like, is that a condo that says, oh, uh, the seventh floor is going to be for poor people and everything else is going to be lofts? Like, I don't know. <laughs> but anybody that builds affordable housing didn't have to pay HST or GST, maybe actually, maybe not even the provincial portion. And so this is why I'm so concerned going right back to hearing you know, 10, uh, 15% off auto insurance and no HST on hydro, which were two main promises from the, the Ontario NDP in 2011. And it's like, I'm sorry, can we not do better than that? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that when you said it doesn't really matter about who's driving this policy, I think you're totally right because, because it actually l- probably indicates that there's something much deeper going on and that, um, Singh won either because he fit into that paradigm or he didn't fit into that paradigm, but it's a paradigm that exists, right? Like mm-hmm. um, he wasn't actively stopped, right? Like Nikki's campaign was pretty actively stopped, which um, you could see in various ways. And she had other reasons why she didn't win. 
um, and and Singh organized outside of the party apparatus to win, mm-hmm. as in, you know, lots of lots of new members or lots of people that hadn't been engaged with the party before. Mm-hmm. And now here we are a year and a bit later and the that election like I get that the by-election was basically do or die time and so that was going to be where they would be the most cautious and the most strategic and however like in the mind of the NDP they could be but it's like as you say there's no question that actual left-wing politics are where people are at 100 percent. so I mean you know as as important as Bernie South was like the the federal elections, like you know, arguably more important because that'll have a national, a national pr- a reach. And it's like, aside from like, like, what is the NDP talking about? So the housing stuff came up in the election, in the by-election. Pharmacare is something that the NDP keeps talking about, and even that is being done like on the terms of the Liberals. And so, like, I can't dis- differentiate. Oh between. my God! It's just like that. That actually makes me so upset. It's just like, why would you do it like this? Maybe you should explain what we're talking about. Can you can you give a bit of a explanation? Yeah. So first of all, so the Liberals did promise a kind of pharmacare. The NDP has been promising pharmacare for longer than the Liberals. It's a left wing idea. And there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can do pharmacare. You could. And actually, it's very interesting because it's a very similar discussion to what's happening in the United States around uh, Medicare. So. You either offer it as a universal program, so the government bulk purchases drugs and drugs are available and it makes them overall cheaper and people have access to drugs in the same way that you have access to seeing a doctor. Or you could do what the Ontario Liberals did and do what they called OHIP Plus, right? So with young people, they were promising OHIP coverage, the Ontario Health Plan coverage, plus on top of what you would already get. Um, you would have access to some drug coverage if you didn't have access to private insurance. And so if implemented at the federal level in that way, we mean that if you have a private insurance plan, you don't get pharmacare mm-hmm. or you don't get the full program. And so in, and so it's kind of like another schemey way to save a lot of money that um, doesn't actually offer proper pharmacare. And, it, and it's geared towards, like, let's be clear that it's probably, like, the liberals are probably doing it in that way to protect uh, large insurance companies. Yeah, I mean, Bill Morno, <laughs> like, might know a okay. thing about this shit, right? <laughs> might know a thing or two. Like, it just, it, it's like, yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it, it it is it protects like these large corporations. Yeah, and it's and it's also very technocratic in terms of trying to explain it to people. And so the problem for the NDP is that they can't differentiate themselves talking about free about pharmacare when the liberals are talking about pharmacare, even if the NDP wants to talk about better pharmacare than the liberals. But I haven't seen enough to, to even differentiate between the two issues at all. So we've got the so we've got some housing measures, we've got pharmacare. I don't know if you saw the image a couple weeks ago of banning straws from the NDP I sure did I mean at least they realized (laughs) at least they realized that that was such a ridiculous and unpopular thing to do that they deleted that tweet but they they? totally did because I remember when I saw it I immediately screen capped it like what the fuck and sent it to many many people (laughs) being like I can't believe that this is something that they're doing in like this day and age right now like the NDP's number one environmental uh, enemy is plastic straws. <laughs> it's just so bizarre, <laughs> especially with everything that's happening right now. Um, 
And yeah, so they deleted that, but it's still like super bizarre that that would be the thing that they think is really popular. Like, yeah, well, yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of great work done by environmental activists to get people who are on the left in this country and like, quite frankly, in this world to understand that this is a, a situation beyond like, you know, plastic straws, recycling, and turning off our light bulbs. Like, people know this. So how could you possibly think that this is the way yeah. to move forward as the left-wing party? Like, I don't want to see that from you, NDP. No. Let Justin Trudeau attack straws. <laughs> okay. Oh, he needs to do something like that right now. <laughs> 100%. Like, that's where he's at. Yeah, so, you know, so we're how many months away from an election? Seven? Eight? And... I I am just not convinced that the party is going to be able to pull itself together. And what is really brutal is that Singh, regardless of his level of culpability in this, is going to take the fall fully. Mm-hmm. He's going to mm-hmm. take the fall on a on a on a centrist, non-exciting platform or campaign. He'll take the fall if they lose he'll take like it's just it's so it's it's so frustrating because it's like the writing is on the wall Mm -hmm. you know what you have to do as a party Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. we do that (laughs) you have the policy like the policy is there you can literally just run on your own policy Mm -hmm. and have a bold left-wing vision for Canada and 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 I unfortunately my prediction is that the liberals will be so fucked that because they are obviously like things are not getting better they're not handling this well that the only way that the that the NDP will see their victory path is to just be the liberals I just I really hope that that's not what what happens like again like maybe we should talk about some of this um the loss of uh MPs who are not running again from the NDP yes because Like, I I know that there's a lot of folks who are frustrated about it. A lot of folks who are like, you know, don't look at what's happening over here. That it means nothing, guys. It means nothing. And then then there's people like me who are like, oh, my God, this is a really big opportunity. Like, it's, it's not, it's like perhaps bad, but also an opportunity. So let's talk about that, because I really think that depending on how they respond to these candidates being gone. Yeah. It could be the way to move towards a more outwardly bold left-wing vision for Canada. If if it's the members that make that decision. This is what I don't understand with how the NDP works. Say more. Well, I mean, you're right, right? Like, so, so we've got someone like Sven Robinson is coming back into the pol- political game. Mm-hmm. This is very exciting. He's been unapologetic with his with his politics. This is great, mm-hmm. and um, and you have other voices that are that are doing good work within the party. But are those people welcomed by the core, or are they pushed away? Because I know someone like Nikki Ashton is pushed away. Now, Sven Robinson is a, a sta- kind of an elder statesman within the party and is known for being left wing and is known for for having been on the left flank of the party for a long time. So someone like him could signal that um, that a, that change is possible through candidates. But I mean, you know, look at how many amazing people got elected in the Ontario NDP mm-hmm. and still there. It's like, folks, where are you? Like, what is going on? 
Mm-hmm. I so I you know someone like Matt Green makes me really excited because uh, and he is like um, probably going to be elected representing a riding in Hamilton mm-hmm. coming into the next federal election and this is a this is a guy who's like he's not just like elected to you know he won't just be elected on the left wing of the party and able to affect the party in that way he's like literally really committed to community organizing he's in the streets every day he he gets his um direction from people who are on the ground and he really works to um exhibit a type of politics that is kind of not the way that parties generally work and that's what I mean when I say that there's an opportunity here. Like, can we get some of this new type of energy of people who are really focused on the community aspect of um, being involved in the political game um, that will necess- necessarily create um, a, a left-wing approach uh, to any sort of election and beyond? Because this is p- part of the problem is like this minute focus on elections all the time and not like a long-term plan and if you're just focused on the election and how much you can win and how much power you can get then the principles of course don't matter (laughs) fuck a principle you're just you're only worried about the next few months but if you are focused on what your community really needs um, you you won't be able to just focus on the election you will have to uh, be focused on principles. And that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't necessarily mean like people are going to become elected and it's going to be all these people who have different politics and it's going to be great. I mean that like build the writing associations, like actually have a community focus to the way that these new MPs uh, or potential MPs uh, are running for these seats. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I wish I had uh, the optimism. <laughs> I think... Like I think Matt's great too. Well, I uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm not saying that this should happen or is going to happen or whatever. It, it does like we don't need opposite optimism for this. We're That's not true. part of it. We're just <laughs> saying, right? Like yes. that this is how things could happen. Because if if that's the way things do happen, and if like Nikki Ashton is you know um, on the outs with like the party, like the central type of party, it like it won't matter anymore because there will be so many new folks who have been uh, connected to their community in a way that is, you know, is about the politics of being on the left, that even if there are people in the central party apparatus who don't agree with it, with um, going that way, with doing away with centrist politics, whatever that means, um, uh, then it won't matter anymore because you know there's been like a mass that is trying to to change things. That's what I think needs to happen. I don't know if it will. Like that's a whole other question. Yeah. No. I like. I guess what where I'm stuck with is it's like this is also a federal problem, and I saw this during the leadership race where people didn't want to necessarily contend with like various regional issues, and specifically I saw that in Quebec. Right. It was like no one really wanted to figure out. What happened at the orange wave that's still a sensitive kind of topic amongst amongst folks about trying to like diagnose what happened and mm-hmm. that the the leadership race felt like an opportunity for the for the party to be like, we're in a leadership race, like let's kick the can down the road to figure out how to be rooted everywhere because like that's where things get very difficult for the NDP is that they are not a rooted party everywhere. 
you know, there's some there's some MPs that are that are rooted in their communities, and there's some MPs that do good work, and and there will be more coming up to replace some of these folks that are retiring, but. You know, the, the coverage that the party has pales in comparison to like what the conservatives have, right, where the conservatives really do have a grassroots base in a lot of the writings that they represent. And it's national. Mm-hmm. And, and that national focus is very hard for the NDP because um, because I think the principles are often pushed aside for what they see as crass electoral gains. Mm-hmm. I think trying to navigate federalism in this country you know and and sandy you know as well as i do how difficult it is to like get people from across the country to understand each other and be on the same page (laughs) i feel like as the ndp has atrophied that has become like not the priority and it's become and there's and it's even been made worse because it's like you know the the federal party doesn't want to get involved with alberta british columbia fighting fine Things are bad in Quebec. Okay. And so all of a sudden you've got three big important provinces where the NDP is like, you know what, let's let's not necessarily focus on the need to sort out this political problem that we have in the in the pan-Canadian world. And let's just try to get elected. Let's look at the polls and let's do what the polls say is popular. And to, to get away from that, like the mental shift required to, to stop organizing like that is so, so tremendous. And I don't I honestly don't think that the folks within the party, like the ones making these decisions, whoever these people are, I don't think that they understand that. Um, I think that they see shortcuts and they take those shortcuts and they kind of ask for turf support where they might win and then focus on the like the 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 locations where they will win or where they might more likely win where you actually have to have a a strong ground campaign and and a lot of like the reason why I'm, I'm thinking this is like during the leadership it was very clear that the party is oriented to winning elections because the leadership was one long election and you had four camps of people running an election Mm-hmm. And the leadership ended and Singh was elected. And then everything kind of just was like, <clears throat> right, 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 right. And there was blaming it on, well, he's not in Ottawa. There's not consensus in the caucus, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, for sure, that probably played a role. But like, did you see like a flip of a switch turn on as the writ dropped in Burnaby South and in Outremont and York Simcoe? Mm-hmm. Right. It was like all of a sudden people were activated again. It was like, whoa. The real issue is that this party has no idea what it's supposed to do in between elections. And I saw that close up in Mm -hmm. Quebec between 2011 and 2014, where, like, they had this historic breakthrough in Quebec. And do you think that we ever had French comment from anybody in the NDP make it in our news? Wow. (laughs) We have the benefit of having to have having organized at the national level and, like, really seeing how much that matters. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But you need to create a, a culture of that and you need to foster it. And it's not as simple as like as the ND, as the liberals did, like, hey, are you an active and interesting person? Why don't you run for your party? And then you get good people like just kind of that are rooted in their communities jumping up and running in their parties. It's not going to work like that in the NDP. No, no. And and it's like you have to be focused in the NDP on like what you are doing in between elections, because as we kind of alluded to at the top of the show, like the 
the establishment media has like super intense links <laughs> with the conservative <laughs> and liberal party and so they're they're already you know they're kind of like in an uphill battle to be taken seriously by the me- media so if you're not doing that work in between like you're just not going to be um where you need to be in order to be the voice of the left on these issues and then you get you know the the liberals coming in trying to look more left than you as uh, the the Kathleen Wynne liberals did and the Justin Trudeau liberals did in the last two Ontario and federal elections. And will. And well, I don't know, because I feel like some of the stuff that the NDP is facing or has been facing in the last year is now uh, playing out in the Liberal Party, too, with respect to like um, the, the type of support people have for the leader. Now, it would never affect them in the same way because they have far more infrastructure. But, um, you know, going into the election, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out for that party. Well, one of the things that I've said uh, online, and I think people don't agree necessarily with this, but I am really surprised at the MPs who endorsed Singh who are now resigning. The, the folks who did endorse Singh and who are resigning, like I feel like if if you say publicly that you want this person to be the leader, you really have to be there to support them to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least say, there's a chance I'm not going to be here, but I'm going to throw my support behind this person. You know what I mean? It's like, it just seems so shitty that like, even if there's good people that come into the party, there's a whole skills gap that, that they're not going to have. Mm-hmm. Because to just learn the mechanics of the House of the House of Commons and of committee work is, you know, it it might look similar if these folks have been elected in other instances. But even if you're coming from Ontario to like the like the Queens Park to uh, to Ottawa, it's still there's still a learning curve, right? And so it's like it just seems so shitty to me that these that these folks are not sticking around to help Sing navigate this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree uh, to a certain extent with that. Like, I I also think it's weird to to come out with an re- endorsement and then not run. Like, I I do think that that's strange. But I also am like, oh my god, like this is an opportunity. <laughs> it is a real. It's an opportunity because I do think that there needs to be a little bit of a a rattle and shake of what's what's happening at the federal level for the NDP. So, you know, I but I'm also like the type of organizer who's like always optimistic about what any potentially bad news could mean, (laughs) 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 which is how I can continue organizing in the things that I do. It's like, Sandy, this terrible thing has happened. I'm like, but guys, this is a great moment. (laughs) Just kind of how I orient myself towards failure. So, um, so, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know how much this optimism is like just, you know, a bizarre way that I orient myself. But I just I I think that, you know, if they do this right. It could it could mean really good things for the NDP. Like, let's get an Ilhan Omar <laughs> for the NDP. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's <laughs> let's, you know, shake it up and let's talk about um, real issues that people are afraid to broach. Let's talk about Palestine. Let's talk about actual like let's have a conversation about the energy sector and oil in this in this in this country. And don't be afraid to have the conversation. Even if it looks bad for whatever's happening in Alberta, fuck it. Like, be principled. (laughs) Just do it 
principally, have a real conversation about colonialism in this country. Come on. Like, who else, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to do it? Otherwise, what is the point in the NDP? I mean... What's the point? And so, you you know, like, I'm like, I have to have this optimistic orientation because I'm just like, guys, this is the moment. And I know that this moment has happened before. But guys, 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 this is the moment. Like, please, like, can we can we please do something different? Like, let's be inspired by some of the shit that's happening elsewhere in the world. If you don't want to listen to me and Nora or other people on the left who's been saying it for years, like, just, you know, look at AOC or something. Look how exciting that is. It's great. Yeah. And I guess, like, the lesson from someone like her is that the establishment is shit and it takes someone to, like, be like, fuck you, establishment. I'm going to fucking kick my way in here. Which, uh... (laughs) I'm obviously would be very open <laughs> to seeing anyone enter an NDP race being like, fuck the NDP establishment. I'm kicking it over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> but the thing is, she has support, right? Of course. She has support within the party, not not with the entire party, clearly. Right. But she has support within the party and she has support from outside of the party. And that's the most important thing. It's all the people who don't give a shit about the Democrats who support her even though they don't they don't give a rat's ass about the Democrats and would never actually support them. That's like that's that's the money support right there. Like That's yeah. the thing that changes culture and that changes how a society operates. And that's what I think the NDP should be after. Like that's what comes with sticking with the principles, uh, positions that you should be sticking with in order to change society because let's like the goal isn't the election if the goal is the election if you come with an orientation of like we're only able to do such great work if we win the election which is the orientation of a lot of people where they're like you know what we we play it safe and we take it easy so that we can win the election and then when we win the election that's when the real left-wing politics come that's bullshit because if you do that, you will quickly realize that, oh, shit, four years from now, we're going to have another election or less if it's a minority government and we could stand to lose. So let's just do what we said um, just a few months ago before this election, which is that we're just going to take it easy so that we can win the next election. And it's a never ending cycle yep. and you never get to the principles. Yep. You will never get to the principles. Or you could have the orientation that's like, fuck the whole game we're trying to literally i don't know save the world or you know save people change society change the entire way that it operates and okay maybe you lose a couple mps that way but the broader goal is changing society we finally have somebody who's like being interviewed um uh, by news media who's actually coming up with interesting more creative Uh, ways to talk about an issue and is actually giving us a left-wing perspective on I don't know anything like oil like which we don't we don't get to hear a lot of in this country because people are too afraid to have that conversation yeah that shit will change how people feel about it on the ground because they have exposure to a different idea that's what we need in a left-wing party Yes. And that shit will bring will will extend beyond an election and will change the society. That's what we need. It's society to change. Yes, except at the start of what you just said is the key point that it will not be the NDP that does it. It will be a confrontation to the NDP that does it. 
And I think that we do need to be very honest about that. Um, when I was at the NDP convention last year, I mean, it was very clear that they were not interested in talking about Palestine. They were not interested about having like actual progressive discussions and like colonialism. My God, like <laughs> other than a presentation from someone like they're not they're actually not going to deal with those issues. And so so rather than and this kind of, this goes back to what we say often about partisan politics in general, rather than mm-hmm. playing ball with the NDP. A confrontation with the NDP is what people need to to think about and a confrontation in good faith we're not trying to destroy anybody or destroy the party but actually make the party better and it's gonna require kicking some some doors i think like there's a reason why people in that party have gone to the right for so long in spite of good people being there and so between now and when all the nominations are happening you know there's how many shots do we have 311 (laughs) (laughs) 311 shots of people of you know saying yeah all right let's let's be that confrontation and and you know there's good people running you've already mentioned a couple I know some other folks who are good who are running and there's obviously a lot of open seats but that is the only hope yeah and you know like I know that again I'm being like super optimistic in the the way that I'm talking about this because we're I'm talking about like changing society when quite clearly the culture within the NDP has to change as well Nora and I have a lot of experience talking to NDP MPs and MPPs and we know a bunch of people who don't know shit about shit (laughs) I mean and that's not that's not (laughs) just in the NDP like okay we're like you know that's everywhere a lot of MPs and MPPs and MLAs don't know shit about all the different things that they, like, I expect them to know about, <laughs> okay? Like math. <laughs> like math. Uh, math, science, art, anything, so, you know. <laughs> right? And so, like, I expect a left-wing party to uh, really value the knowledge that their representatives have, and that in and of itself is a, is a place uh, where things need to shift. If you're if you're gonna be electing someone, make sure they know their shit about whatever they're passionate about. Make sure they have some passions. <laughs> make sure they're actually interested yeah. in making making the world different for people and ed- like do continual education within the party and not just education on skills like how to do social media and how to win an election and how to do streeting. Like actual education on issues. Like make it. A, a party that is not afraid of politics. We already have a party that's afraid of politics. Several. <laughs> so let's do away with that and have a real left-wing party. Hey, Sandy, you should run. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. Oh, thank you. How about you? Yeah. like. Uh, <laughs> let me if just you, uh, go sign up. <laughs> if you ever got close, oh, my God. I feel like they don't like you very much. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not important enough to assassinate, but I am definitely important enough to character assassinate. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, actually. My writing, my writing would be ripe for a very strong left-wing voice. That's not me. And uh, it's, uh, come, move here if you really want. you got seven months. <laughs> Nora will probably help you if you're good. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you my address if you need to pretend that you live there.